wind blowing toward right field. If Alex could find something to pull, get it in the air, he would get some help. Familia's next pitch. Belted to deep center. Back goes Lagares. And gone, Alex Gordon. And comes the pitch. Broken bat, one hopper to third. And over to first in time. Runner going to try to score. Wild throw. Hosmer gambling that he could dash home on the throw to first base. And the Royals have tied the game. For the very best in baseball, this is the place you want to be. Welcome back to the Locked On Royals podcast. I'm your host, Ryland Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter, at Ryland underscore Stiles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter, at Locked On Royals. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. If you leave a five-star iTunes review and leave a question inside that review, I will answer it on the next podcast. On today's show... We will be discussing the Chicago White Sox and all the moves that they have made to complete their rebuild perfectly. We'll also discuss what is the best possible outcome for the 2020 Royals. What is their season outlook? If everyone hits their peak, how good can they be? But first, I want to talk to you about the Locked On MLB player polls. On Twitter, look up Locked On MLB or just go to the at Locked On Royals page. It's retweeted there. And you'll see that Lockdown MLB has started a March Madness style bracket for who you, the fans, are most locked on in 2019. This is not necessarily the best player, but rather who has the best storyline. Who was more interesting last year? Your Kansas City Royals representative is Jorge Soler, and he is involved in today's matchup going up against the A's and third baseman Matt Chapman. So go out and vote for Jorge Soler. He had a phenomenal year last year. So did Matt Chapman, but I think that Jorge Soler was a little bit more interesting because of the fact that it's not expected. He came out of nowhere in, in the sense of, you know, people kind of wrote him off in his career, and then all of a sudden he's the Major League Baseball home run leader. So I think he deserves your vote. That'd, be, that'd do me a really huge favor if you'd go over there and, and participate in the Lockdown MLB player polls. Let's talk about the White Sox. The White Sox have been rebuilding for a few years now. They've gotten a ton of talent throughout their farm system with the Chris Sale trade, drafting very well, and you know some of the other trades they made throughout their rebuild period. And now they're finally ready to win. A lot of those guys are in the big leagues now. Lucas Giolito. A lot of those guys like that. And so they're supplementing their talent through free agency and through trades. And they're ready to get they're ready to get to contention now. And I love what they've done. They were patient and now they're spending money. This is exactly what the Royals should do to have a, a larger window. Let's go through some of the moves that they have made. They re-signed Jose Abreu, which is phenomenal. He's a good player. And then they made the first splash of the offseason. It's been, unlike last year, a wild offseason in the sense of it's it's only January 8th. And yet we already have almost everyone off the board. Josh Donaldson's really the only one left out there for someone to get, and he might be coming to the AO Central as well uh, with the Twins. But the White Sox made the first move of the offseason going out and getting Yasmani Grandal, who, again, 
If you listen to uh, Monday's show, we talked about Salvador Perez being one of the best catchers in baseball due to the fact that there's not that many good catchers in baseball. And so you got one if you're the White Sox and and Yasmani Grandal. You got one of the few good catchers in baseball. I love that signing. And then you go out and get Dallas Keuchel and Gio Gonzalez. Now these are not shut down pitchers. These are not Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander. These aren't those kind of guys. But they are going to play that James Shields role that he played with the Royals. At least one of them is going to be able to pitch efficiently and pitch the way James Shields did. James Shields did not go out there and dominate opponents. He didn't strike fear into the opposing lineup every fifth day. But he went out there, he did his job, he got his innings done, he got outs. He Every fifth day he got you in a game that you can win. And then he also mentored the young pitchers on the staff. And the White Sox have a ton of quality young pitchers throughout their pitching staff. So I love those two signings too because you're not you're not trying to sign Cy Young winner Dallas Keuchel. You're trying to sign Dallas Keuchel, James Shields. You're trying to bring in a guy who every fifth day is going to get you in a winnable ball game and then also mentor your young guys. And then if Dallas Keuchel doesn't work, you have a backup plan of Gio Gonzalez. And then they went out and traded for Nomar Mazzara. And this is my favorite move of this entire offseason for the Chicago White Sox. Because I still believe in Nomar Mazzara. Let's take a peek behind the curtain here for a second. I live in Oklahoma. And so the Oklahoma City AAA team is where I go and watch a ton of baseball every year. And I have since I was a little kid. And throughout the years, they've been, that, that franchise has been owned by the Rangers, it's been owned by the Astros, and it's currently owned by the Dodgers. However, they've never changed leagues, though. So whenever the Rangers you know, went off to Round Rock, they're still playing Oklahoma City almost every weekend, it feels like. So they've always been the same league. So I've seen all of these Rangers come up. I've seen all these Royals come up. Whenever Omaha comes to town, we always go to that game. So... I watched Nomar Mazzara in the minors and was just in awe of him. I think that he has potential to be an MVP level player. And and, and the projections um, and the pundits have kind of slowed down on him. That was really the talk of him his rookie year, his second year even. And now they've kind of backed off of that. You know, last year he played in 116 games, had his highest batting average, had his third best on base percentage hit 19 home runs. I think that that potential is still there, and and all and the White Sox gave up nothing. They gave up a prospect that's older than Nomar Mazzara, Steel Walker. While Steel Walker might be a good player, that's, that's not enough for me to give up on a 24-year-old Nomar Mazzara who I think has MVP-level potential. Now, will he ever win the hardware? I doubt it. But... In my opinion, in 2015, Lorenzo Cain had a MVP-level season. And I think that that's something you can get from Nomar Mazzara as he progresses. So I love this addition for the White Sox. I think that if you're looking for a guy who's going to destroy the Royals every time they come out, because there's always one guy in the White Sox who just dominate the Royals There's no answer for them. And then against other teams, they're just kind of a a good player, but they're not elite. I think Nomar Mazzara might be that guy. 
uh, that, that Rawls fans are very frustrated with in 2020. So then they extend Luis Roberts, which is a, which is a trend that they have done. Luis Roberts is, is one of their top prospects, and they're, they're already paying him and extending him through, I think, 2027. I love locking up these young guys, not going to arbitration, keeping them for a long time in Chicago, and extending that window. Even, even if it's just by a year or two, because you automatically get six years of control. So extend, extensions at this point don't really mean a, a ton, but again, it, it avoids that arbitration depending on the opt-outs and things that he has in that language that, that's not released yet. But I love the decision to go ahead and pay these young guys early before they've even done anything. Eloy Jimenez was another guy that they paid before he even did a thing at the Major League level. Literally, a thing. And then they signed Edwin Encarnacion. The past two years, he's given you 30 home runs. He is the 2020 baseball player that you want. Despite his age, he's getting up there in age. He's already 37. But despite his age, he's going to hit you home runs. He'll hit you a couple of them. You know, 30 the last two years. That's pretty good. Uh, and for a guy who won't be your your mainstay in the lineup, he's not going to be your headliner in your lineup, I should say. That's good production. I can see Edwin Encarnacion having a Kendrys Morales-type year for the White Sox. What he, what he did in 2015 for the Royals, Kendrys Morales. I can see Edwin having that kind of year for the White Sox. And they still have talent in their farm system. This team, on paper right now, is already a good team. And they don't even have their best players up there because of that stupid service time rule. So, two weeks into the season, you know, they'll have their best team on the field. I don't think that they're going to call up their two top prospects right away on opening day whenever they play the Royals. I don't think they're, that they're going to have them. I think that they're going to wait for that service time window to pass, which, which is what the Cubs do with Chris Bryant and, you know, other teams... Of, you know, doing that with other prospects, but Chris Bryant's really the one that really got people outraged about the rule because he earned his way onto the open day roster in spring training. But due to this caveat, they sent him down. I actually skipped school. I faked being sick to watch Chris Bryant's debut with the Cubs. It's pretty sad that I was that obsessed with, with baseball. But nonetheless, they still have a good farm system right now. And then they've just added phrases to it and made trades to it. And then I wrote this outline last night, getting ready for today's show. And whenever I close the document, what happens? I see a Jeff Passan tweet that says that, that Steve Ciszek has signed to the Chicago White Sox, which is another guy who I'm very high on. I think that he can have a bounce-back year. Now, I don't think he can be dominant. I don't think he can be elite. But I think he can be a serviceable arm that can, for a stretch of time, be a top guy in your bullpen. For a stretch of time... Throughout 162 games, he can be the guy you go to. And not every bullpen is going to be the 2015 rules. You're going to need to patch it together that stretches at a time of who's going to be the guy you trust at this point. And I think Steve Shisek still has that ability. So the White Sox rebuild have, has gone perfectly. And it's really a model that the Royals should try to emulate. Because they've started to spend money now. They haven't waited for Luis Roberts and you know Eloy Jimenez and all of their prospects to prove it, to prove that they're good. They've drafted, made trades, got guys, and believed in them. And it could it could blow up. Their, their prospects could not be good. There's, there's a chance that they're not good in the major leagues, and this has been a disaster. 
However, if you trust your scouting department, if you trust the evaluations of these young guys, and if they are good, you've now gone from a two-ish year window like the Royals had to a five-year window. I hope that with this new wave of Royals prospects, all the pitching prospects, that they will believe in them before they've even proven anything and go for it. Because that's what the White Sox are doing. Now, yes, Lucas Giolito has had good years. Kopech has had good years. But they didn't wait until they got down to like three years of control left, four years of control left. They're going for it, and I like that. And I think that in this division, I don't see the Indians being a competitive team. The Twins, I think, are a team built for success, but also I can see them having a regression year. It's hard to be as good as they were the way they were winning for a a second year. When the Royals were winning in 2014 with that bullpen, as long as those pitchers didn't fall off the face of the earth, you could still see them winning in 2015, which they did, because they weren't relying on home runs. They weren't relying on a high-powered offense. They were relying on stay in the game for five innings, get a a run, get two runs, and then turn it over to that bullpen, which is very realistic. But the way the Twins won last year, you kind of think to yourself, is that going to be able to be duplicated again? I think the White Sox have a great shot of winning the division, and if not winning the division, have a great shot at getting that second wildcard spot. I really do. I think that the White Sox, at, at, at worst, are going to be the first team out of the playoffs. At worst. I think this team is built for success, and sadly for the Kansas City Royals, built for success for a long time due to the age of these guys. Again, one of their top trades this offseason, which trades are normally meant to supplement the young talent and to help them and, and, and to get them over the hump. One of the, one of the big trades this offseason for the White Sox was getting a 24-year-old. It's not getting Ben Zobrist. It's not getting Johnny Cueto. It's getting a 24-year-old. So if Nomar Mazzara turns the turns his career around, and it, well, it hasn't been a bad career, but turns it around in the sense of gets to where people think he can go, again, another young another young piece to add to that lineup every day. And I could be totally wrong about Nomar Mazzara, but watching him play throughout his career, I've always been able to see the flashes. I've always been able to see that he can be a very, very good player in this league. I have a few friends being in Oklahoma who are Rangers fans, and they always ask me, well, what do you think Nomar can be back whenever Nomar was on the team, obviously? And I would always say, I think he can be an MVP-level player. I truly believe that. I could be wrong. I am not Billy Bean. I'm not the, I'm not the best baseball scout in the world. I'm not a baseball GM. But I really like Nomar Mazzara, and I think that that trade is, is one of the underrated moves of the offseason. I think a change of scenery can really help change those expectations because White Sox fans really only know his career 261 batting average, you know, his his 162 game average of 24 home runs. They really only know what he's put on paper. They don't have those expectations for him that the Rangers did because he was a very highly talented prospect. I mean, every time he was in the minors, I mean, that's all people talked about was, was Nomar Mazzara. And so I think that change of scenery can help him break out. And I really like what the White Sox have done. Again, that's the model for the Royals. That's it right there. The spending that the White Sox have done has not been go out and get Garrett Cole. It's been go out and get Dallas Keuchel. Go out and get Gio Gonzalez. 
Make one big move with Yosemani Grandal. That's one. Add in add Edwin Encarnacion. Make those kind of moves. That's something that the Royals can achieve. The White Sox payroll is not out of the realm of possibility for the Royals. They just have to want to do it. And then they have to also get the young players the White Sox have not. And we'll talk about how to do that on Friday. But right now, let's talk about the best case scenario for the 2020 Royals. I think the absolute best season that we can expect from the Royals, the best possible 162 games for the Royals, is going to look like the Texas Rangers of last year. Last year, the Rangers won 78 games, obviously lost 84 of them. They finished in third place in their division, and they finished just outside of the wildcard spot. They finished in third in the AL wildcard spot. Excuse me, for the AL wildcard. I think that's the best that you can expect. For the first half of the season, the Texas Rangers were right there on the doorstep. Five games out, even grabbing the second wildcard spot for a couple weeks. Then they went back to five games out. Then they went to three games out. Then they went to five games out, all throughout the first half. And then in the second half, they kind of tailed off a bit, and they ended up finishing third from the second wildcard spot. That's the best case scenario for the Royals. A somewhat competitive team in the first half, you're thinking, wow, here we go. They're, they're right there in the mix. In the second half, you're thinking, okay, good season, but they're fading now. They're fading down the stretch, and it's over. I think that's the best case scenario in terms of winning an on-the-field product for the Royals in 2020. Now, how were the Rangers able to do it? They didn't have the most talented roster on paper, but what they did have was guys like Mike Miner, guys like Lance Lynn, and guys like Hunter Pence all breaking out and playing well above their expectations. Playing better than anyone thought that they could play. So who on the Royals can do that? Who on the Royals can be that Lance Lynn type, that Hunter Pence type, that Mike Miner type? Last year, one of the Royals' Hunter Pence was Alex Gordon. No one expected Alex Gordon to have the offensive year that he had last year. But that was only one guy. The Rangers had three or four that carried them in the first half into being competitive and then, of course, faded down the stretch because they weren't that good. But that's exactly what the Royals can hope for in 2020. So who on the Royals can do that? I think Michael Franco is a guy that can have a huge year. I think Michael Franco, who's 27 years old, the same age that Jorge Soler was whenever he broke out with the Royals, Michael Franco coming up from a change of scenery, again, just like we talked about with Nomar Mazzara. The Royals fans don't know about the expectations that the, that the uh, almost called them 76ers, that the Phillies had for him. They don't know about how much pressure he was under in Philadelphia to be that mainstay at third base and to be that power-hitting slugger in that lineup. So he comes over to Kansas City, and there's no pressure. It's, it's a flyer deal. The Royals do not care what they get from Franco. They don't. You gave him $3 million. You could care less if this guy hits 10 home runs or 40 home runs or zero home runs. You could care less. $3 million means nothing. Nothing to the Royals. 
And you're also, of course, not locked into him long term. He's not your future. It's not like Hunter Dozier going out there and stinking it up. That would be bad because that's a guy who you look at and think maybe he's a part of our future. It's not Mondesi going out there and batting a buck 62. That's that's scary. That's something that you're concerned about because that's supposed to be your mainstay. It's not Nicky Lopez going out there and completely laying an egg. It's Michael Franco. So he can only go up for the Royals. Can he have a turnaround year? Can he have a huge year? Because for the Royals to get to their best outcome, which is, again, only 78 wins, folks. This is going to be a long year. They're going to need him to have a big year. And then they can flip him at the deadline. Because I think, unlike Hunter Pence, there's going to be a, a, a market demand for Michael Franco if, if this 27-year-old can show pop in the AL Central. In Kauffman Stadium. There's going to be a demand for him in a baseball season that has more competitive teams than ever. And we'll talk about that throughout the offseason. But more teams are trying to win now than ever, it feels like. And there's only so many spots to go around. So he's going to be a viable commodity if he can have a big year. But to reach that 78 plateau, which I think is their ceiling, they're going to need Franco as a guy that can step up. And then they're going to need Danny Duffy to have a bounce back year. Now, you can you can say whatever you want to about Danny Duffy, the person, but as a baseball player, he's been wildly disappointing. His best role is in the bullpen, but yet they keep trying to make him a starter. He has to have a bounce back season, and he has to, to somehow find a way to put together a season on the mound as a starter that he did in the bullpen, which I don't think he can do. But this is, again, just the best case scenario. These are not predictions. This is just what the best case for the Royals would be. And it would be Danny Duffy having a bounce back year. Another guy, Trevor Rosenthal. Can he have a bounce back year? Recovering from Tommy John surgery the last two years. His all-star level play was with Mike Matheny in St. Louis. And Mike Matheny loved to use Trevor Rosenthal. Loved it. I mean, he would use the heck out of the 29-year-old reliever. Can he bounce back? Again, in St. Louis for six years, he pitched 200, excuse me, 325 innings. Mike Matheny loved to deploy Trevor Rosenthal. Can he bounce back? And this is another guy like Franco, who you don't care. He's on a minor league deal. You don't care if he's good or not good. But if he can if he can bounce back, if Duffy can bounce back, if Franco can have a have a big year, now you're looking at that 78 win mark, that 75 win mark. And it's becoming more realistic. And then a healthy Alberto Mondesi, what does that look like? I personally think it looks like a great defender who is the stolen base king in baseball and has has a ton of exciting plays due to the fact that he has that speed. He can extend a single into a double, a double into a triple, a triple into maybe an inside the park home run. He can he can steal bags that you don't think are even possible with the shortest lead possible. He can still swipe the bag. I think that's a fun player to watch, and he and I think that he'll have the charisma. I think that once he gets going and he's healthy and he's playing well. He'll have that swagger that you see from guys like Ronald Acuna. He'll be a fun guy to watch. What does it look like, though? And can he even stay healthy for 162 games? Because of all these guys that we've mentioned, he's the one that, if he has a good year, he's staying. 
If he has a bad year, he's staying as well. But if he has a good year, you're not trading Mondesi. You're, you're flipping Rosenthal. You're flipping Franco. And if Duffy has a, has a good first half, you're going to consider trading him too. And you should trade him. So what does Mondesi look like for 162 games, I wonder? So again, they're not going to reach 78 wins because in baseball, you're never going to get the best-case scenario. In any sport, you're not going to get the best-case scenario. But that would be, if you could look into a crystal ball and say, what is the best possible fortune for the Royals? It's 78 wins and a, and a bit of a competitive team in the first half that fades away in the second half. They're not good enough to make the playoffs. They're not good enough to be competitive from game 1 to 162. They're just not. But they are good enough to possibly get to 78 wins. Now, what do I think is going to happen? We'll talk more about that throughout the offseason. I don't think they're going to get 78 wins, so don't freak out about that if you're thinking there's no way that they reach that. I don't think that there is either. But that's the best possible case scenario. So on Friday's show, last show of the week on Friday, we're going to talk about the great Major League Baseball sign-stealing saga of 2020. Good Lord. I mean, every team's getting cold-busted now with that sign-stealing stuff. We're going to talk about if the Royals should trade players. And we'll also talk about the worst-case scenario for the 2020 Royals. So we talked about the best today, worst on Friday. We'll go into the weekend and do it all over again next week. Thank you for joining us on the Locked On Royals podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Tell me what you think is the best case scenario for the 2020 Royals. Subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. I appreciate you listening. Be good and be good to one another. And we'll see you on Friday for the Lockdown Royals podcast.